<laughs> I was gonna have a better introduction, you know, like that song from NSYNC that they used to go, Here we go. I barely remember that. Well, you were I, alive when I, it came out. I know, I was not an NSYNC fan. You were not an NSYNC fan? No. Who were you a fan of? You had to be a fan of one of those boy bands at no. that time. No, dude. Tyler, stop acting like you're too cool for it. You picked <laughs> you you at least had a guilty pleasure. No, dude, that was my pop some... punk phase when I was listening to like Blink One Eighty Two. We were like, boy bands are dumb. Oh, so you were like Blink One Eighty Two. What's what was another band at that time too? Um, oh, The Offspring. Green Day, I would say, was another band at that time. That was really popular. I liked, I liked a couple of their albums, but I was not a huge Green Day fan. I was a fan of Green Day. I, I definitely was a fan of American Idiot. but That, that was the political one? Mm, there, was was, a, there was a point where they got like overtly political, and I was out. That was probably their most, was poli- probably their most political album. I remember the single. I don't remember the single, but I remember liking that single. Or when they people would say they matured as a band. We're mature now. Well, we're getting into politics. I wouldn't say politics, but I'd say as a band, they went from, you know, sort of that '90s high school. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people really fucked with them in the '90s. Well, they got old, and then they turned forty at some point. They look young, though. They did, but. At the same time, American Idiot was probably when they transitioned to more like, I don't want to say this to sound funny, but they, they transitioned to more like U2 within their genre mm. of like, they became more of like the U2 of like punk bands yeah. in terms of their genre. I was um, shocked to uh, find out that Third Eye Blind was, they were like in their mid to late 30s when they, they got big. Yeah, they weren't. They and then, like, ten years later, I went and saw them at the House of Blues, and, like, the lead singer had gray hair. And I'm like, what is this? How old is this guy? But they had such good music. Oh, I'm still a fan. They had such good music. Third Eye Blind, if you ever just want to feel, like, the rush of 90s alternative music. Mm-hmm. I'd say Third Eye Blind. I'd say Matchbox 20 was another good band, no yep. matter how people may feel about Rob Thomas. I am a fan of it. Do we not like Rob Thomas? What happened? Some people just didn't like his voice after Smooth. Mm. Give me your heart. Make that was the one he did with uh, that guitar player that I don't like. Carlos Santana. Santana. Why don't you like Carlos Santana? I like, I like some of his music, but I feel like a couple of like the older hits just don't hit older, for me. Okay, let's let's be fair. Older hits, as in like. Supernatural smooth 1999-2000 Santana? No, I'm talking about like 1978 when he blew up. Okay. Some of that stuff. But oh. some of it I like, but some of it I don't. Hmm. It's great atmosphere music. Yeah. I mean, if I'm on a patio having a margarita, I'm probably going to hear smooth or one of his old ones. Depending on where you're at. <laughs> Depending on where I'm at. <laughs> mm. Well, you are listening to Throw Champagne. Hosted by Thomas Massaquai, executive produced by Tyler Legali, and music by Chris Wagner. Today is a chill day. Mm-hmm. You know, we've um, both been kind of busy living our best lives, from what I gather. You kind of had a most recent viral moment. Now, based on 
no. of scheduling. The video could be bigger or it could still be where it's at. Mm-hmm. But at this point in time, how many views do you have? This is my set. So first of all, it's a TikTok. Mm. And this is my second viral TikTok in my history of what two, three years of using TikTok. And mm-hmm. this is how it happens both times. I just made a video mm. and put it out there, and I wake up the next day, and the notifications for that app are exploded mm. like a Unabomber mail package that's just everywhere. Yeah. And you and I had had a conversation recently texting about uh very briefly we just touched on dating and uh we kind of talked about it in the last interview too um i think that was after the mics stopped rolling yes we we had we last time we had this like nice extra 15 minutes post script Mm -hmm. um but i made this video and i was yeah it was it was like at 11 o'clock at night i'd had a couple drinks unwinding feeling loose and I was like I'm just going to I'm just going to say this thing that's that this happens to me this is a pattern I've noticed and that's what I was talking about is uh being an artist and dating um it's not always easy when you date a non-artist mm. especially for our field we're photographers amongst other things and my uh my art form is I do Tattoo lifestyle, and I do boudoir, and I'd say 80, 90% of my subjects are female. Well, that doesn't always go over well in dating. And so I was talking about this. And I woke up to two things happened. This was weird. Um, I woke up to this explosion of like, there was, there was already like 300 comments on the video. And so, but what did you say? specifically in this video or what was your content within the video so a problem i have with dating and i'll just tell you the story from a couple years ago and this sums up what the video was talking about Mm -hmm. i uh this was this was the beginning of the pandemic when we couldn't go out we couldn't Mm -hmm. meet people Mm -hmm. organically Mm -hmm. so i was like "I'm, i'm gonna try these dating apps out and i i i don't care for dating apps when i use them it's just like Dipping my toe in the pool for a few days and then yeah. going, this is the dregs of society. I don't, I don't want to be on a dating app. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have, had, I have had some hits from dating apps. Yeah. So I'm always curious. And so, yeah, two years ago, two and a half years ago, I don't know. I'm on there and I meet this woman and we talk, hit it off. We're talking for about a week and like we'd migrated from the app to texting. Mm-hmm. And um, she was slightly older than me my my age range for dating is is about 10 years in either direction but But i notice but low-key it annoys you when you go lower well i notice there's more unnecessary drama when i go lower whereas women that are you know i'm 37 so women that are like 40 we'll just say or 42 um often have a lot of their stuff figured out they know what they want they know what to avoid or anything. So you just don't run into a lot of things that when we're young, we make mistakes mm-hmm. or we haven't learned lessons yet. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's generally easier dating somebody, in my opinion, that's slightly older. Mm-hmm. But I have had some really great relationships with women that were younger. 
So I'm talking to this lady that I met on the app, and she lives uh, she lives over in South Lake. Um, oh, this one. Okay, I have I have told you this. Okay, but so basically, she like looked at my website, looked at my work, saw my portfolio. Initially, like day two or three, I was like, "Yeah, I'm a photographer. Here's my link. Here's what I do." And she's like, "Oh, cool. These are this is all beautiful." Oh, thank you very much. Blah 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 blah. So. We had a date planned, I want to say for a Tuesday, and on Monday night, she texts me, and she's like, hey, I have a question. I was like, yeah, what's up? And she's like, well, if we hit it off, um, I'm not really comfortable with you photog- uh, photographing women, so I would expect you to stop. And I'm like, at all? Or you mean just like no more boudoir or anything like that? And she's like, at all. And I was like, well, we don't need to. We don't need to go on the date tomorrow because I'm not sacrificing my art for a relationship. That was more or less the gist of the TikTok. And holy smokes, like so, so many women and dudes were on there like, hell yeah, brother. Like, don't don't sacrifice who you are for somebody. Oh, so else. this was the topic that you took to TikTok. Yeah. OK. Yeah. Recently. Just Recently. Because it was revisited. Mm. And, you know, no need to name names or anything like that or details. But um. And revisited with the same person, revisited with a different circle. Completely different person. So they came, this subject came up again. Mm-hmm. That more or less, mm. the, that subject became a thing. Now, can I ask you a question? Yes. Are the types of girls that you are attracted to, that you often go on dates with, do they file into the same type of people that you're shooting these boudoir tattoo shoots with not always because i have a very wide range of type there is um uh what would the common denominator is i like beautiful people so that is one thing but they might be um you know i've dated uh fitness competitors i've dated tattoo models i've dated um like a teacher i've dated you know people that do regular things that aren't artists or any you know it's a wide range yeah so and some of them i have shot before or after we started dating Mm. um but you know when you when you find a as i'll put it and i don't mean this disrespectfully a normal person um especially one who's not an artist and understands the professionalism of being an artist. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems that sometimes there is uh, feelings of jealousy that can get involved in that. Mm. So, yeah. Insecurity, as you're saying. That is one way to... to that's, that is a word that was in so many of the comments mm. on this. I'm just reading it. And it got to a point, like, I was up to 16,000 views. And I'm like, you know what? I don't need this to be my viral video. So I'm just going to, like... Switch it over to friends only. And kind of nipped it in the bud before it kept growing and growing and growing. But why not? If you feel like these people are sitting in agreement with you, mm-hmm. and this is, uh, you know, evidently how a lot of people are feeling. Now, granted, whoever may have sparked this or influenced this, they may be like, oh, especially if they're on TikTok or they know who you are or they're following you. Um, they may be apparent to you expressing your feelings, but it's no different than if someone is 
frustrated or upset mm-hmm. about something and they decide to take to the streets as they would say. Right. Um, it reminded me, I was thinking about it afterwards. It reminded me of this Reddit. Uh, I don't know what you call them. Channels, forums, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, it's called, am I the asshole? Mm-hmm. And basically these people go on and they say, here's the situation. Here's what happened. Here's what was, what I did. Mm-hmm. Am I the asshole in the situation? And then the, the forum of Reddit, the, you know, this is like the streets of Rome. Mm-hmm. They're the ones who decide, yes, you were an asshole. Mm-hmm. or No, you were not an asshole. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at it and I was like, wow, I, I, you know, I've never had to post anything to that, that Reddit. And but I'm like, oh, I get it now. I get it. Weirdly enough, I took a grievance to a public forum and was vindicated. Would that be the right word? Yeah. Vindicated, yeah. Yeah. By the... By, by the people. The yeah. good people mm. of the internet, mm. who I've never met, have no stake in the game, mm. you know. So this person that you met the second time around, were they older, younger? This other person, younger. Like how young? Oh, under 10 years, more, more than five, less than 10. How many, how many conversations had y'all had prior to them knowing what it is that you did or the type of work that you did? Oh, we were, we were casually dating for uh, many weeks. So at this point, what was Because that would have already come up, right? So what was the spark for them to be like, I'm not cool with this? Um, have you ever had a muse artistically? Yes. Okay. For those listening, would you define what a muse is to an artist? It could vary. It could vary. And that what, is... Where does it come from? Well, it comes from... <laughs> it comes from uh, Greek, I guess. It's, mm-hmm. It comes from Greek... Um, I guess we'd say that's Greek, mythology. Yeah, Greek mythology, Greek origins of, of sorts. Uh, in regards to being the source or the attraction to someone's creative process or inspiration. It could vary. So you could slide from just like the simple, oh, you push me to be better or you want me to put up better work or to full on like this muse you're sexually and fully enthralled and attracted to. Mm-hmm. It varies. Like I'm saying, it, it varies. So right. Not everyone is going to respond the same way, but if you are someone's muse, especially on a creative standpoint, that means they place you higher than their normal subjects. Right. Mm -hmm. You work with them more. You work with them more, but you place them higher. Mm -hmm. You do more work. They... They inspire you. You feel more excited. And that's not saying that's a cheap shot of the people that you aren't as that you don't work with frequently. It's just saying that that person, whoever they may be, you are constantly yearning to want to come back and work with them again if they're if they are your muse. Right. Yes. So I was having a conversation with this person. And she asked why. uh, She said, I noticed you. You did a lot of work with this model at this time in your career. And then also later, there's a lot of work with this model. And I was like, well, yeah, they were, um, we work really well together. We get along. Like, I guess you would say that they were a muse Mm -hmm. for me artistically. Um, 
we did better work together when we worked together. And this person was like, oh, okay. And then, like five days later, uh, a grievance of theirs was, I really didn't like that you had, you saw this person as a muse. And I was like, what? And it just opened up this door of this long conversation of things they didn't care for. And I was like, this is... I mean, So were they is, jealous of the person being your muse at that point or were they trying to be your muse that's a that's a question um because i mean one of these girls was what five six years ago that i shot a lot with one of them was like three years ago that i shot a lot with um the first one did reach out recently and was like hey i I saw you're back in town if you want to shoot like let's schedule something i was like yeah absolutely let me when i get free time i'll let you know and we'll see what our schedules work with um but it, I, I don't know. It's interesting to me that I think all it ultimately comes back to as a photographer, specifically with the subject matter that I get paid to shoot and I do very well. I'm not, not you know, trying to be, um, oh, what's the word? Not blowing smoke up my, uh, my own ass, but like, I'm good. I'm good at what I do mm-hmm. and I'm confident in what I do. Mm-hmm. So for dating, it does seem often that I wouldn't say often, but it keeps coming back up every so often. So you you say every so often. So you have these women that will be airing their grievances to you or their feelings to you in regards of dating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, now, some of it can be very short, like the, like the woman that was older, that kind of after maybe a date or two or a conversation or two, she said, I'm not cool with this. Then you right. have someone that you date for a month and a half, a few months, uh, that's younger, that expresses, or older, or older, that expresses, expresses it. Mm-hmm. Um, now, we don't have to get into the meat and potatoes of it in terms of asking, like, what is your ratio of the people that you've shot compared to the people that you've um, dated? But what is the conversation for them? How does it spiral or go left for them? For these women in terms of they have a conversation with you. They mm-hmm. at least get to a point with you of where y'all are talking, right? Mm-hmm. And at this point, they have already are aware of what you do because they ask you the conversation or you may have it on an app or right. whatnot uh, where you're like, oh, I do this, I do this, I do this. So why is it that they rain on the parade for you, as you would say, or they would bring up this conflict for you? So far down the line, so so far down the line to whatever extent, because if say if it's a non-starter for them, right? Why don't they just hit you with that from the beginning? I feel well, and that's the thing is like I that's we that comes out in the conversation very early on. Anytime I start talking to somebody, mm-hmm. mostly because it's part of who I am. Mm-hmm. You know, this is this is one of the things I do to put money on the table. Um. It's, you know, I also paint mm. and some of my paintings are figure, uh, figure paintings. So yeah, it's, it's women or, you know, uh, men, sometimes it's portraits. Sometimes I'm just trying to get like shadows and anatomy and this and that. Mm. I don't make money doing that, but would, would, would a person that has the conflict of me doing photography also have a conflict of me painting some of that subject matter? Mm. Who knows? 
Um, I think, and I think for everyone, it's, it's probably different. Yeah. You know, maybe as feelings develop, you realize you're not as comfortable with something if you want to progress further. And that's when you as, as the other person says, well, I have to have this conversation. Mm. And maybe you feel that because your feelings are in a certain place, Mm. then I would be in a similar place and maybe I am, but you may assume that because I'm in that place that I would be willing to go, okay, yeah, I'll start shooting weddings instead. Mm. Which I will never shoot weddings, by the way. Mm. That is a level Shout of out hell. to all the wedding photographers. Shout out no to all kidding. Them. So much respect Shout for out those to guys them. and girls. Uh, just a quick note, just so people kind of understand the difference with photographers. Because I feel like because because we're in an era right now <clears throat> in which there are so many people taking photos whether it's people on their phones or whether photography overall has become i guess a community style creative space of where even the most basic person now believes themselves to be a photographer now you have the average population with their phones and things along those lines that take photos and then people may do a little bit of, you know, specs and giggles and filters and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Then you have people that are the hobbyist enthusiasts that are the next tier up, and then you have people that are using this as a career or using this as a source of income. People universally assume that all photographers are doing the same thing, and that's far from the truth. Photographers just like any other craft, they're broken into subgroups. So you may have a wedding photographer. Wedding photographers, God bless them, because they know exactly what they're doing. They can show up to an event. They know what moments to look for. They know how to look for photos. They can shoot a lot of photos. They know how many photographers to hire for that. They can move it, keep it pushing, going along. Then you have people that are nature photographers. They know exactly what time of day. They know what locations. They know they have the patience sometimes to photograph certain things that take maybe months, days, and times to capture. They're not afraid of the wilderness. They're not afraid of like climates. They're not afraid to break their their uh, their uh, cameras and things along those lines in regards to their craft. Like they know their. Um, they know their lane. Mm-hmm. Then you have people that are uh, family photographers, and you have people that are sports photographers, and then you have people that do school photography. I do fashion photography. Um, you do boudoir, and you also do a mix of women with tattoos and stuff like that. So everyone is not, in terms of photographers, are not shooting in the same style. So it's always it's funny because people will assume like, oh, you're a photographer. Hey, can you shoot my my shoot, ba- my shoot, bas- my, shoot ba- my kid in a blue bonnet field in a, in a basketball team photo? And it's like, well, yeah, but mind you, if you've seen a photographer's work, it's likely going to be in that universe in which they shoot. Mm-hmm. So you want to be prepared. So, for example, if you're a fashion photographer. And someone's coming to you and say, I want to shoot family portraits. More than likely, you're going to have an influence of fashion in there or editorial style within their um, family portraits. If you are a 
uh, wedding photographer and you go and someone says, hey, I really want to get into fashion. Can you take some model? You can, Mm -hmm. we can, most of the time photographers, we can tell what your lane is based on the style of shots that you're taking. Not to mention the difference in the technical aspects of each of these styles. Yes. Because if you're a professional, like you, sir, are, Mm -hmm. and I am, we make money doing this, Mm -hmm. um, is your camera ever in automatic mode no 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 you know we understand aperture we understand the the speed of mm-hmm. film even though there's not film anymore i still use film i i still like to it's just getting harder and harder to find a great place to get it developed i would agree with that oh i did want to say shout out to gen z and their film passions now mm, no kidding they're they're, they're bringing they're it back it. they're saving it but even and though, i appreciate it that's yeah that's a whole nother conversation i had this idea (laughs) (laughs) you brought up fashion yeah and things being fashion influence i had this idea many many years ago and i I hold true to this when i do meet the woman that i'm going to marry Mm -hmm. and we do our engagement photos Mm -hmm. i am hiring a fashion photographer because i want my engagement photos to look like a damn hugo boss ad in gq Mm. i want it just pristine sharp both of us looking great Posed perfectly, that lighting that you get in yeah. fashion um, advertising photography. That's my. That's one of my goals. Yeah, I've seen a few uh, couples do um, editorial spreads and stuff like that, mm-hmm. and I feel like you know, in terms of getting images captured, I'd fall into the same lane as that. Yeah. Um, I don't want something that's too gaudy, but I want something that's simple. Mm -hmm. I feel like... Elegant. Yeah. Classic. But not like gaudy. I mean, if if you would have caught me like 20 years ago, (laughs) it would have been like like fireworks and cannons and stuff like that. And a tiger. And tigers and stuff like that. But no, but um, now because the person I'm with is more like chill, Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, well, I got to... I gotta. It has to be a balance. Yeah, like it, it's it, about it's more subtle. Yes, mm-hmm. so it's it would be more tasteful, but at the same time, it would also be like very subtle. I feel like the thing that I always enjoy is trying to figure out like the uh, the hidden treasures in a shot. So it'd be something. Yeah, it'd be something way more casual, subtle, chill. Minding the business. That's my mm. vibe in 2022. Minding the business. Mm. But definitely highlighting the both of us. Right. But going back to, you know, the different silos of photography, mm-hmm. I think it's, it's, it is always funny when you see photographers and we step in front of the lens, especially if it's something that is in our field. So like when a wedding photographer gets married. It's almost like they know, but we also have sympathy for each other a little bit more because mm-hmm. we also know like the work that it takes to to pull some of these things off. And I think individuals don't understand because of the fact of where we are in an era of where so many people are now taking photos. I'm talking about like so many people are taking photos now. The phones that, now have idiot proofed the act of taking a photograph your phone in almost any lighting condition Mm -hmm. at this point Mm -hmm. 
can take a, a flaw, technically flawless photograph. Mm-hmm. But do you as whoever that's using your phone, mm-hmm. do you have the eye of a photographer? Do you mm-hmm. see the shot? Do you see the frame? Do you know exactly how to place it in a way that not only is it technically fantastic, but visually is it also fantastic? Mm-hmm. I think also because I work in terms of photography in a vanity style space, nothing infuriates me more than when I look at someone and I'm like, you are very beautiful. And they're like, no, I'm not. And mm-hmm. I'm like, huh? What? Or well, like, there's a, there's a line of the, being humble. What? Well, but then there's that line below it where I, you're just like, what are you talking about? But I mean, I, th- I do believe, you know, with, Social media, you keep... I keep hitting this thing. Yeah. I'm going to scoot it. Yeah. With social media and the <laughs> fact of where so many people see different types of... And, you know, I mostly shoot... I do men's fashion. Mm-hmm. So I've noticed the difference between girls and guys, but especially in the past like few decades of where I've seen guys um, become more obsessed with their body equal to what women were dealing with in the 90s in terms of whether it be what they call now bigorexia right where there's guys that are obsessed with going to the gym a lot that they're um and that that's no shade to because i do have friends that love going to the gym uh but i hear them a lot and some of them will still get stuck on the fact that they don't feel like they're up to par and i'm like people want your body like people want to be in shape like you mm-hmm. and i will hear guys that i'm just not ready yet i'm just not ready yet and i'm like you do you what? know that you're ready is like people's like goal for mm-hmm. like the end of the year you're ready is like people's goals but it comes back to the it comes back to the notion of where i think a lot of people don't give themselves enough credit um, I also notice because I've been doing photography for such a long time, the difference in generations when you shoot people, when you're shooting people that were not born of the selfie generation, mm-hmm. the difference is a selfie and a self portrait. So there's a difference between selfie and a self portrait. The selfie generation are in most cases are people that are used to taking photos of themselves primarily with the phone right. and they're used to angles filters all those apps things along those lines that color correct them mm-hmm. people that are used to self-portraits which were normally people that are photographers people that take they use traditional film cameras things along those lines normally when they're taking photos they have they're more comfortable with people taking photos of them meaning like they know to directly look at the camera or how to pose sorry um, with someone taking a shot of them. But when you're talking about late millennials, Gen Z, I would say a lot of them aren't comfortable or they don't have the trust mm-hmm. in a photographer to give them. It's not there's not a lot of trust with them of them going to a photographer saying, hey, take my photo. I've noticed like people that are older are way more like yeah just get it to me whenever i got you yeah trust me yeah i got mm-hmm. you you know da, 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 da. whereas like younger people i want to see every photo i just want to make sure that it looks good like let me like let me, let me just make sure it looks like right. right or like they're gonna nitpick they're gonna nitpick everything and as photographers we know right out of the gate i might shoot a hundred pictures 10 are gonna be worth editing 
worth yes worth finalizing yes and showing yes and those other 50 to 90 will we'll go the burners they're, yes they're they're just the in-betweens yes but that person you're right that person is going to be like let me look at this one let me look at this one let me look at this one and i'm like none of those are worth it like look at that one that's why i have a rule where i just don't show photos to mm -hmm. my subjects because i feel like a lot of time it just becomes a distraction because what they may fuck with i may not fuck with yeah. um but at the same time i if we vibe really well mm -hmm. like then i then we we I normally feel like we can work together. It's not those uncomfortable conversations and things along those lines. Right. But everyone in regards to photography now, and also I can say, showing my age again, I can also tell when people started taking photos just based on the color filter they use, based mm -hmm. on the, the style of photos they're taking, all that. You can immediately tell a photographer that started taking photos in the 70s, in the 80s, in the 90s, in the early 2000s, the 2010s, and now in this decade of photography, just based, because we're all influenced by the culture that's around us. We're all influenced by the work. So <clears throat> I can immediately tell just because I've been doing photography, I can look at a photographer's work and be like, oh, I can tell at least the pocket in which you, you picked this up. You picked this up. And I can immediately tell a two early 2000s photographer mm -hmm. real quick because that's when Photoshop was popping off and everything was enhanced color, lighting. I'm talking about like blues were blues, greens were greens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> everything was popping, like popping, like screaming at you in a photo. And now you sort of have this moody saturation type thing that happened in the in the early 2010s, and now we have sort of like this throwback look. But the funny thing about the throwback vibe is that a lot of these young photographers they weren't there, so they're kind of mimicking mm -hmm. the throwback. So it's like you kind of already know that this is an homage to something else. I saw somebody's work recently, and I said, "Oh wow, this is this is." Very vibrant, mm -hmm. very colorful. I uh, said, uh, are you a big fan of David LaChapelle? I love David LaChapelle. And they went, who? Mm -hmm. And I went, oh, God. But, I mean, again, I don't fault them because... If that they, doesn't if, seem like that long ago to me. But you also have to give the fact of where, if you were a photographer 15 years ago, mm -hmm. you were a photographer in the trade sense of knowing, like, a lot of us knew the difference between film. A lot of us knew the difference between digital. A lot of us that studied photography, we, especially if you were in school, you still used film and digital cameras. There was a brief moment, I think, across the country where a lot of schools actually got rid of their film cameras and just went purely digital. And then now they've gotten back. And they don't, in a lot of cases, even know how to use a darkroom. Photographers well, now. So, so I, I did photography for a semester in uh, high school. Mm -hmm. in art mm -hmm. but i was in a room with 40 students mm -hmm. and every single one most of them were just doing like acrylic painting yeah. or maybe maybe one or two kids mm -hmm. doing oil or one or two kids doing this form the teacher wasn't teaching anything specific mm -hmm. she was just like here's your projects figure it out and i think i was the only person that was doing film and using the dark room in that 
that period. Well, I mean, I know at my school, a lot of us were using film. More yeah. people were excited when the digitals actually started rolling out to the school. Like, oh, we have digital cameras, SLRs. But everybody else is still using films because they still have the darkroom. And I even remember, like, some schools even said they stopped using their darkroom altogether because of the fact that it wasn't as intimate. Now it is. Mm-hmm. Now a lot of Gen Z is leaning into uh, film photography, which brava to them. Cool that they're bringing it back. I'm not knocking it. But, and I keep saying but a lot. <laughs> it is interesting, though, however, to to recognize, like I say, the flow and the changes within the work that we've been doing. Uh, I recently, well, not recently, but I think last year I did a photography walk with um, local photographers. And there were a, raw, a broad range of different people from different backgrounds and mm-hmm. age groups. But it is interesting to notice that in this era of photographers, when you say like, when you mention, oh, what's your top five? You can talk, and I'm, it's not discrediting, like I said, new photographers because their influence is Instagram. Um, they have TikTok. They have social media. They have so many different backgrounds. So their idea of someone that may be popping or hot in terms of photography or visuals, maybe somebody with thousands upon tens of thousands upon millions of followers with photography, right? Mm -hmm. Comparative to maybe someone that started doing photography. When I started taking photos, like in the late nineties, I, my biggest inspiration is Herb Ritz. If you know me, you know, Herb Ritz is like my hero. Like, He's the one of the people that if I ever met, I wish I could have met him, but he died uh, in the early in the early uh, 2000s. But he was but if in terms of photography career, I would say I emulate him the most in terms of where he directed music videos for Janet Jackson, Britney Spears, Michael Jackson in sync. His last music video was gone. Uh, by NSYNC, check it out. He was really known for his black and white photography. Mm-hmm. He did a lot of ads, the the supermodel photos of all of them naked, all curled up together, that was him. Um, but Herb Ritz, in terms of visual, black and white, 1980s, 1990s, early 2000s fashion, celebrity photography is stellar. And I would say uncomparable. Uh, very signature. Peter Lindbergh was another one that I really looked up to. These are a lot of these are fashion photographers and mm-hmm. Labowitz. And Labowitz is another one that I really look up to. Um, you look at uh, Platon. Platon is also another one who shoots a lot of covers for Esquire. Um, you have Richard Avedon. Avid- Richard Avedon. Mm-hmm. Yes, hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sorry if uh, I'm brutalizing the name, um, but he's considered to be the the true genesis of what you would classify celebrity fashion photography, um, capturing some of the greatest figures from the 1950s up until I think he died in the early 2000s as well. Um, I'm a big fan of, I, I discovered this guy recently from YouTube, hmm. uh, Peter Coulson, hmm. who uh, he's either Australian I think he's Australian. Shout out to Russell James, too. Mm. Sorry. Don't, I can't forget Russell James. Russell James is, was the photographer that 
essentially created what you would consider the 1990s supermodel with Victoria's Secret and um, Sports Illustrated. So he shot all those campaigns. Uh, he even showed me some love on social media at one point. So that was cool. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. I just um, sent you Peter Coulson's whoop work. Uh, I think you're really going to dig it. Mm. And there's another guy. I thought I had his website saved. He's done music videos as well. He is he is a concert photographer. Um, he's done uh, music videos for the Foo Fighters and this. This guy works in film. I've seen like behind the scenes of him. He's basically got a table the size of what we've got here. So good. Six feet long. Mm. Nothing but camera, 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 camera with mm. different lenses. And he'll have like six cameras on him. Mm-hmm over his shoulders as he's doing these photographs and they've all got different lenses. So instead of him having to like swap a lens out, he just grabs the, the camera that's got the 35 mil on it or the, the 200 mil on it. And this dude makes fantastic work and 90% of it is this gorgeous, rich black and white. But his subject matter is musicians. Yeah. I'm a minimalist. So my work is definitely one of those things that I try not to over photoshop people but that's mm-hmm. also because I'm i grew up, i grew up um not relying on post editing mm-hmm. platon said that most of your shot if you're going to use a digital camera or if you're going to use a film camera should be completed on the camera it happens in the camera i'm a yeah. big believer in that and not relying so much on post editing no shade to photographers that heavily rely on post editing mm-hmm. but for me anyway I want my work to be as close to me being there as possible for times to come. So when I look at photos, photography from the turn of the century of the 1900s, or I look at photos from the 1940s or the 1950s, and people sit there and they and they see photos of people and they were like, oh, that was my grandpa then, that was my grandma right. then, that was my uncle then, that was my brother, that was my sister then. I want to give people that same feeling if I capture them today, that that was me then. Right. And not relying on the fact of where if I'm no longer around as a, as the original photographer, that they're like, oh, I can just go back and re-edit this however I want to do it. Mm-hmm. That you would still respect the the shot the way that it was originally shot at the time, if that makes sense. The majority of the editing that I do takes me minutes mm-hmm. to edit a photo most of the time mm-hmm. uh, i'm gonna make a slight adjustment on the levels mm-hmm. i am gonna make a slight adjustment to the uh the black level the white level um and maybe the tone and i may go through and do just the slightest little smoothing of skin here or there but mm-hmm. i like it i like it when you see a blemish or um, a wrinkle or something like that in somebody's face mm-hmm. or or whatever you know, yeah, it keeps it, it keeps it um, anchored in reality. Mm-hmm. Whereas I've, you know, there's a there's a photographer that I used to be friends with, who is very successful in Dallas, but I would not call him a photographer. He's a Photoshop artist that supplies his own pictures of models, because mm. this man will put the streets of Berlin and explosions and things like that behind the model. Or all kinds of stuff. And the photos look amazing. 
Mm-hmm. But that is less, in my personal style and opinion, that's less being a photographer and more being a digital artist. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I feel like people evolve and I feel like clients evolve. Mm-hmm. And I look at the fact of where, especially now, a lot of agencies, they want um, a certain look for their model. And I I do notice that sometimes people do tell me that my look is a little bit throwback in terms of where it gives more that 90s minimalist simple vibes like i said herberts i come from the school of herberts photography so my homie's no longer around but i'm definitely going to be channeling that energy in terms of simple black and white photography yeah um with a dash of some color and stuff like that but i feel like with black and white photography it gives you this timeless vibe black and white photography has more feeling and emotion in it than color photography ever can that's just my feelings i agree I agree. And I know some people that are color photographers be like, at me, bro. <laughs> so it is what it is. Yeah. It is what it is. Huh. So we talked about love. We talked about photography. I'd like to talk briefly before we go about my new project. Okay. What is your new project? And this is, this is just a shameless plug. Mm. Uh, so Ryan and I. Who's Ryan? My brother. Mm. Oh, by the way, he subscribed to the podcast. And he was like... These first three, I don't see any guests on here. And I was like, oh, that's just me and Thomas. Sometimes we just do the two of us. Mm. And he goes, so it's just the two of you in a room talking? I was like, yeah. And he goes, I don't need to listen to those. I've been there a thousand times. Mm. <laughs> but um, Hating ass. <laughs> but so we're both bartenders. Uh, or We both have bartending experience, I should say. We grew up camping. Um, so we know a lot of like cooking and stuff like that. And we started a channel recently. It's it launched on Monday. It's already getting some good traction. Um, it's called OG Cast Iron Cocktails, mm. and we had to call it OG because somebody owned Cast Iron Cocktails dot com, mm. but wasn't using it, which is always the most infuriating thing when you when you find something, you find a website, a web domain you want, and you're like, I'm gonna do something with this. And then you found somebody... Somebody already on Somebody's just sitting on it. Mm-hmm. Probably waiting for you to call them up or email them, and they'll be like, uh, $5,000, and you can have it. Or more. Or more. Depending on what you're wanting. But that's yeah. literally an industry that people will buy. They will follow, or they can track mm-hmm. Google hits, and they will scoop up a name, and then they'll sit on it and wait for somebody to come in and be like, I want to buy like, oh, yeah, that's fine, but that's going to be about $20,000. Can you imagine if somebody in like 1994 bought Pepsi.com and just waited? There's a lot of people that, that, you know, they, but those companies, they have teams, big companies like that. Mm -hmm. They have teams that they secure licensing and stuff like that in all those, in the metaverse and things along those lines of, they try to be on the lookout. So I don't, I would like to hope that somebody from Pepsi was like already on it which I'm assuming they were. Um, but there's still some names that you're like, damn, that name's not even used anymore. Yeah. Like, that's terrible. That's sad. So I, um, so yeah, Cast Iron Cocktails was taken. Mm. And I pull, I, I, I watched this documentary about pizza years ago, and they were talking about in New York City when it was a big deal, there was this very famous place called, it was something like Frank's Pizza. And that's not the name of it, but it was like some guy's name, Pizza. Mm. And this dude 
right literally around the corner. We're talking like 50 paces mm-hmm. away. Mm-hmm. Opens a pizza place and calls it Original Frank's Pizza. Mm-hmm. And so everybody that was like had never been there before and was coming to find get this famous mm-hmm. delicious pizza goes to the new guy mm-hmm. instead of the other one because they're like, oh, this is the original one. Mm-hmm. So I was talking to my brother and I was like, here's what we do. We just call it OG Cast Iron Cocktails. Mm. We're the original one. Okay. Not, not whoever <laughs> ends up doing something if they and do. And now you're that. letting people into your secret. Okay. Oh, yeah. That okay. is like a level of petty professionally that I am all about. But just call yourself original. Mm. But um, so, yeah, we got, we're up on TikTok. We're up on Instagram at the moment. We're going to be launching. So we're doing short form videos. Um, and it's like cocktail recipes, or we we teach you how to how to um, cook something like with cast iron. Uh, Ryan did an amazing steaks the other day, mm-hmm. um, absolutely delicious. Yeah, but um, we're going to as I'm editing these, I'm we're I'm going to be making long form versions that we're going to put on uh, YouTube, and I think mm-hmm. we're going to launch that. We've already got that secured. Everything mm-hmm. is secured. Yeah, like that was step one. Um. So, yeah, I mean, if, if anybody out there likes cocktail recipes or learning how to cook stuff, our, uh, our tagline is um, cook like a man, drink like a gentleman. Did you come up with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. That sounds like a slogan you need to come up with. I, I do occasionally do well with marketing. <laughs> mm. So, you have OG, cast iron. Cocktails. Right? Cocktails. Cast iron cocktails. OG cast iron cocktails. Okay, that's the that's where you find us mm. on those platforms. And currently, right now, you have how much content available? You're um, just... God, I've got like fourteen videos to finish editing. Mm. All right, we've got two up. Mm-hmm. We're currently posting every other day. Um, we're kind of streamlining the process of making so that we're going to get to the point of being able to post daily. Yeah. Basically, shoot what's once a week for. A few hours. Yeah. Get all the content built for the week. Put it out. Okay. That sounds dope. Yeah. Well, we discussed that as well as photography, as well as your dating life. I'd say you're kind of like the de facto guest, but you're already here. So (laughs) I'm always here. You know, it you know, it is what it is. It is what it is. Do I have anything else interesting else coming on? No, anything else interesting going on. Mm. Mm. That's mm. Mm. I know we got some interesting guests lined up. Yes. I'm we looking do forward have, to those. We do have some interesting guests coming up, you know, and it is the uh month of April. Mm-hmm. Birthday month for me. Anyway. Happy birthday. Well, Will this be up by the time my birthday comes around? Yes, I think so. Mm, I mean, I think so. Or maybe it's already passed. We'll see. Are we doing something or are you going to be low-key this year? Um, We'll see. We'll see. I did a low-key one this year. Mm. Life. 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 I don't know yet. We'll see. Rumor is things are happening, but I don't know. <laughs> Rumor is things are happening, but I don't know. Well. As always, to quote the great philosopher and thinker and poet, Robin Leach, champagne wishes and caviar dreams. And you have been listening to Throw Champagne with Thomas Massaquai, executive produced by Tyler Dolly.
music. Like Christian.